This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. You know, it's interesting. I've tried different types of meditation before, and typically these are, they require the same things. You yeah. sort of disconnect, mm-hmm. dislodge yourself from the everyday pace of things or for mm-hmm. the current pace of things. Yeah. Sit cross-legged at some point, you know, close your eyes, listen to your breathing, mm-hmm. and try to be still. Yeah. And I just realized that, you know, you start off okay thinking, well, this can't be that difficult. Yeah. And then it starts feeling claustrophobic. Yeah. Right? You go like, what's going on yeah. here? What's happening around me? I feel restless. Why yeah. do I have to move? Next thing you know, it's only three minutes. You know? Is it three minutes? <laughs> For me, it was like 30 seconds. <laughs> one minute. The first time I tried. BFM 89.9, I'm Ahmad Fuad Rahma and this is Night School, the show that explores concepts, theories and society. Uh, we have with us this week uh, Mr. Te Chi Chang and you are here to talk to us about Vipassana, which is this, well, it's a very, I don't do it injustice and describe it wrongly, so why don't you start and tell us what Vipassana is? I'm not sure I can describe it accurately as well because the difficulty nowadays in meditation is that the same label means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. So bear in mind that this is the perspective that I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And again, no disrespect to meditators who follow other schools and have other uh, traditions. Vipassana for me is meditating with the objective of seeing things as they really are. Broadly speaking, when people meditate, there are two reasons why they meditate. Firstly is to achieve a calm state of mind, what you call perhaps meditation for serenity. And the other reason for meditation is to understand what you call the true nature of things. So that really sounds very abstract, Mm -hmm. the true nature of things. To put it in more layman's terms, for example, right? Uh, Let's say, for example, uh, you're Fuad, Mm -hmm. right? So to me today, right now, you're Fuad, my radio host. To others at BFM, you are a presenter. To your family, your son, and I'm sure you interact differently with all these different people. Mm-hmm. So who is the real Fuad? Hmm. Well, the one answer that could satisfy that question or that line of inquiry would say all the above, right? You don't have to be one thing for everybody. So you could be all these facets in one. Mm-hmm. How, how is that for an answer? All right. So that, if you like, is a superficial answer in the sense that, uh, all right, you have all these facets. Right. Sorry. Um, so let me take back the word superficial. It sounds so rude. <laughs> no, no, I don't think. Yeah. It makes sense. It <laughs> makes sense. You go, you go at face value. That's, right. Face you value, know. yeah, that's right. Sure. Yeah. So there are all these different faces of Fuad. Yeah. But is there an underlying Fuad underneath that one? Huh. Or let's take it another way, right? Uh, you have what as you are. Now, let's say now, knock on wood, touch upon everything, something happened and you lost an arm. Mm-hmm. Are you still forward? Hmm. If you lost another arm, are you still forward? And then, you know, go all the way, lost the legs, <laughs> lost the trunk. Where does what stop? Right, right. Okay. Okay. I, I see this. <laughs> yeah, yes. So basically, the it is a question of the essence of you. Correct. When all the conditions are removed. Correct. Right. You so like. you're no longer tied to your job. And unfortunately, in the modern world, everybody defines themselves in accordance with their career. That's right. 
and you're no longer tied to say familial bonds that sometimes leaves you ambivalent or sometimes you feel like you have to put yourself second for others and so on and so forth. Mm. So you're trying to cut to the heart of the matter. Mm, that's okay. right. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. Well, another way of looking at it from my perspective is uh, knowing what we do now about quantum physics. I think pretty much most people accept that we are made up of atoms, mm -hmm. right? So on one level, really, we're just a collection of atoms. And is that the, perhaps that's the real reality. Mm -hmm. So it's not that uh, I'm Chi Chang, I'm husband, I'm father, I'm, you know, son. Uh, what's the underlying? Mm -hmm. And is there an underlying? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, you don't want to be just a collection of atoms, right? Because yeah. the combination of atoms and other chemical factors in me is different yeah. from, say, Hanif's. True. Right? So True. even though we're both collections of atoms, yeah. we have manifested different personalities. Correct. Right? So in a sense, and I don't know if this is where you want to take it, in a yeah. sense, even that is not a sufficient answer, right? We, we can't just say we're a collection of atoms, mm -hmm. right? So there, must, there, so there must be something in between all these different external factors that make us and us just being like a lump of matter, mm. right? So there's something in between that realm of possibility, right? Um, yeah, that's very true. So if you want to put it one way, perhaps, we are a collection of atoms with a collection of habits, mm. which we define as ourselves. Mm -hmm. But Vipassana wants to go beyond just those habits, right? Because, or else we can just define ourselves by our Correct. workplace, our everyday routine or whatever, right? Correct. All right. So interesting. I like, I like this approach because I think it's important to note how if you think of therapy, for yeah. example, yeah. right, we often get stuck in discussions about functionality, mm -hmm. you know, or finding some kind of equilibrium, yeah. you know, peace of mind and stuff like that. But to look at things as they are yeah. doesn't necessarily translate to peace of mind, right? Or doesn't necessarily translate to like functionality or do they? Maybe you ah. can clarify for us. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. Because once you realize that the way I define myself, or rather I am really, if you like, a collection of habits and preferences, or perhaps if you rewind a little bit, many of the, if you like, dissatisfactions we have in the world today is that I would be happier if only, life would be perfect if only, if only he is nicer, if only my, right, you know, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, if you do Vipassana and you understand this, what you call realities, that you are really a collection of your own biases, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then life becomes a lot more contented, if you like, mm -hmm. because you understand really that uh, your preferences are really just that, your mm -hmm, preferences. Mm -hmm. And other people, the way they behave is not because they dislike you or right, right. they're out to antagonize you, but really they have their own collection of habits. Mm -hmm. And if you like, actually, perhaps, you know, that's why I went into meditation in the first place. It was mm -hmm. nothing to do with Vipassana or, uh, you know, I just wanted to be, I used to be a very like, type A driven, angry type person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. Right, right. Yeah. So you always have to be in control. You always have to sort of be on top or in situations. I mean, what, can you explain how your type A manifested? All right, yes. Like always be in control and um, rather very intolerant of perceived inefficiencies. Mm -hmm. Like, why is that guy working so slow? You know, why mm -hmm. are they so stupid? Right, why are they right. doing this? Yeah. Right. So when we see that those things are not really, they're not really about you, Correct. or they're not necessarily 
tied to how you should feel, mm-hmm. then you lighten the load, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And you come closer to yourself. Yeah. Right. Because we are always caught up with preoccupations, really about other people. Yeah. Right. And our measurements in regards to how well they're doing, how how well stuff they are. Yeah. But once you untangle that, yeah, you become closer to you as you. Yeah. And self acceptance becomes easier. Is that that's, something that's like right. that? Something okay. like that. That's right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, 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 interesting. Tell us a little bit about the process here because Vipassana is known for its, I guess, lengthy demand, right? You are expected to be housed somewhere for 10 days. Mm-hmm. That's how I know it. You can correct me uh, soon. Yeah. And pretty much be disconnected from sort of everyday technology, from even contact and speech with others. So, yeah. this, okay, so now that we know what the goal is, describe yeah. to us the process. All right. So again, different meditation schools and different meditation teachers have different approaches. For me, the approach that worked uh, was the school that was run in the tradition of uh, SN Goenka. And in the Goenka tradition, the courses are 10 days long. 10 days long, during which time, what they call noble silence is strictly enforced. So no talking, of course, no TV, also no reading material whatsoever. You don't do anything at all. Your job, as they say, is to work, and your work is meditation. Everything else is done by volunteers. Mm-hmm. So, it's actually very brutal once you get into that. Right. But it's also very, very useful if you can accept that discipline, mm-hmm. because at that point in time, okay, bear in mind, no reading material whatsoever, no talking whatsoever. And the way they set up the centers is that there's also nothing much else to read, except the daily schedule for that day. At that point, you realize that your mind really craves so much stimulation. So actually, the first step to vipassana is that before you can look into the reality of things, you need to be able to what we call compose the mind first, or steady the mind, or what most people think of as meditation, focus the mind. Mm-hmm. All right. So the basic ground rules are very useful for you to really learn that your mind really wants to jump around a lot, mm-hmm. and that first day is really, really brutal. You know, for especially for me at that time uh, when I first went there, I used to be an investment analyst, mm-hmm. and you can imagine what life was like in those days. You know, we start at seven thirty of conference calls, and you're always being bombarded with information, 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 mm-hmm. data points. They're supposed to try and analyze and figure right. out. Then you go into this. And there's no outside stimulation whatsoever, mm. and then you realize that your mind really feels hungry for stimulation, and then you realize then that you know this mind really jumps around a lot. Yeah, and yeah. it's actually very very hard uh, to keep it composed yeah. to keep it just in the moment. Yeah, and that's why the uh, what I found that discipline very useful in that uh, program. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I've tried. Different types of meditation before, and typically these are, they require the same things. You yeah. sort of disconnect, mm-hmm. dislodge yourself from the everyday pace of things or mm-hmm. for the current pace of things. Yeah. Sit cross-legged at some point. You know, close your eyes, listen to your breathing, mm-hmm. and try to be still. Yeah. And I just realized that you know, you start off okay, thinking, well, this can't be that difficult. Yeah. And then it starts feeling claustrophobic. Yeah. Right. You go like, "What's going on yeah. here? What's happening around me? I feel restless. Why yeah. do I have to move?" Next thing you know, it's only three minutes. You know? Is it three minutes? 
for me it was like 30 seconds <laughs> one minute the first time I tried so I can't imagine doing this for I mean the course that you told me about yeah. was 10 days yeah. right but is that usually the length of time have you heard of more have you heard of less or I think I've heard of people going for like three day courses mm-hmm. or you know their teachers uh, teaching at right. night that type right. of thing yeah um, again I don't know how successful they are they work for some some they don't work for others right But for me also, actually I would say I didn't go into it cold turkey mm-hmm. because before that I had been trying to learn meditation on my own for the past three years or so. Uh, so actually I started back in about, I think 2008. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at that time meditation was really still, meditation and mindfulness was really still not so mainstream. Right, right. And internet wasn't really that uh, big either. And if you're looking for information, it tended to be a lot of fluffy stuff. Right, right. But I came across this book written by a German nun. I can't remember her name now. That I found useful. And I tried to learn to meditate using that book. So, as you said, it's to do with sitting still, trying to uh, focus the mind. In this case, it was focus the mind on various body parts. Mm-hmm. I think the first time I tried it, I made it to one minute. <laughs> right, right. Then I built my way up to, on a good day, 20 minutes. And that was when I realized that I needed help. Yeah. And then looking around at that point in time, I chanced upon the Goenka schools. And at that time, they were still not as popular as they were today. Mm. And in fact, uh, it seemed quite rigid, you know, in the sense that, look, no phones, no nothing. Yeah. And I was actually a bit worried that they were kind of like a cult to try and brainwash you <laughs> right, right. at that time. But I asked around, a friend said it was good. And so I went. And then it turned out to be uh, very good. Yeah. What is it about the modern mind that keeps wanting stimulation and content? You know, because I think that's the heart of the problem. Mm-hmm. And the reason why people are seeking meditation, they're turning to these sorts of retreats, yeah. is because uh, we find ourselves socialized in this constant flow of consumption. Yeah. That in order to feel right, we need to be invested or engaged yeah. in a lot of stimulation. Yeah. Right. That so much so that silence becomes so subversive. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, what's the account of why this is needed? Right. Because On one hand, you can situate it in the current context where we only live lives of consumption, right? Yeah. And and profit drives and profit motives, yeah. right? But this tradition has been was was recognized a long time ago, mm-hmm. right? When the, the people who conceived of it probably realized that they're responding to a problem at the core of what it means to be human, right? Yeah. So, for someone who might be cynical or skeptical, right, uh, and they wonder. Well, do I really need this? Yeah. Right. What problem does this really solve? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's actually human, rather than just your like, you know, personal quirks or whatever. What would you say? Well, again, it's um, it's something that you have to be ready for, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us are very happy on the treadmill of normal life. You mm-hmm. know, go to work, weekends, have breakfast, go to the mall, go watch a movie, and most of us are very happy with that. But if you come to a point when you realize that What you're really doing is jumping from distraction to distraction, right. and perhaps there is more to life than this. Mm-hmm. And you start looking for answers. Then perhaps this is the uh, one of the one of the techniques you may want to consider. Right, right. But even if you're not looking at say life changing type or character changing type experiences, what's useful about vipassana is also in terms of helping you to just be calmer overall. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, the first stage in the uh, Goenka schools is, you know, cut off from pretty much all input. And they will teach you what they call anapana meditation, which is uh, just focusing on the breath mm-hmm. and being aware of your breath. 
to stay in the mind first. You do nothing but that for the next three days. Mm-hmm. After that, the vipassana part comes in, and vipassana in the Goenka tradition is to focus, is to move around your body, feeling the sensations in different parts of your body, and as your mind settles down, you actually start realizing that as you move around the body, sensations can change. Sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's hot, sometimes you get prickly feelings, all sorts of sensations. Different people get different sensations. But the ongoing instruction throughout all this is be equanimous. Mm-hmm. Equanimous with all the sensations. Mm-hmm. Equanimous, 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 no matter what sensation it is. And realize that that sensation is always impermanent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It might be very intense now, but it's going to go away. It might be nice now, it's going to go away. It might be unpleasant now, it's going to go away. So it's all about whatever it is, be equanimous. Mm-hmm. Now, taking that back into normal everyday life, in terms of, say, anger management, for example, right? right. Uh, so let's say if somebody annoys you, then because I've read all these self-help books from the 90s, it's like, okay, you want to get angry, don't get angry, count from 1 to 10, for example, mm-hmm, quietly. Mm-hmm. Or try to empathize with the other person. You right. know, that other person is not necessarily trying to make you angry. They're just doing their thing as they see fit, try to empathize. And for me, what I found was that it did work to a certain extent in that I no longer exploded, but I was suppressing the anger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, linking all this uh, focus on sensations and being equanimous back to call it modern science and modern behavioral theory, have you heard of uh, Daniel Kahneman? No. He's the uh, Nobel Prize winning... Oh, magical, what is it again? Thinking fast and slow. Thinking fast and thinking slow, yeah. You say you read that? Uh, No, no, I haven't. All right. Yeah. So he's this. Uh, he, he, it's fantastic. You got to get that. Okay. Book. Okay. So what Daniel Kahneman and he's got this really rigorous behavioral re- research behind him. So what he says is that um, we humans like to think of ourselves as very rational, mm-hmm. very logical. You know, very sensible. Of course, reality is actually far different from that. And what he did was he characterized our minds into what he calls system one and system two. I can't remember exactly which was which, but let's for. Today, call it system one is really your intuitive mind, which actually carried over from the reptilian, if you like, uh, evolution. Yeah. So we work on autopilot most of the time. System two is a rational mind. What happens is that whenever we come across any situation, straight away system one is already kicking in. And how our body works, modern biology, is through chemical impulses. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you have had the experience sometimes when a, you, know, you see a complete stranger and when the guy is already walking up to you, you're already making prejudgments. Right, right. You know, I don't like the way he walks, so you know, this guy is, you know, that type of prejudgments. And all those are your system one working. Mm-hmm. And how they work and communicate is that when you get stimulation, whether from your eyes, ears, your fine senses, that gets into your mind. System one kicks in, chemicals start moving around your body, and those sensations are the ones that actually drive your behavior and Mm -hmm. reactions. Mm -hmm. Now, if you start learning to become equanimous to those sensations, then really that gives your system two a chance to really act. So instead of actually, very often we think we are acting, but most often we are reacting because stimulation is coming in, preconceptions are already there, and we are moving. We're defensive. Correct. But if you have that kind of thing, yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. Let's take a break right now. Okay. Uh, we have Teh Chang here talking to us about Vipassana, its sort of meditational approaches and philosophy. Um, we'll be right back. This is Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
BFM 89.9, I'm Ahmad Fahad Rahmat. You're listening to Night School. We have this week uh, Mr. Techi Chang. Well, I guess you are. You wear many hats. You run a stretch therapy centre. Yeah. You are a financial analyst. You're a political advisor. But you're here to talk to us about Vipassana. Which Jack is of this, all trades. Yeah. <laughs> Master of none better. Keep yeah, in the, mind. the best combination. If you're, if you're a Zen financial analyst, I think the world needs that, you know. So you can position yourself uh, in lucrative ways. You know, if you can try to link the two together. <laughs> you know how to look at financial collapse. All right. um, you know, uh, in system two fashion, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> without the trappings of the limbic uh, system. Oh, but yes. okay, so uh, fascinating stuff here. I mean, I think you've you've done a great job at describing how our, you know, our mode of thinking in a in a very competitive world takes us away from ourselves into these constant modes of. Uh, reaction and defensiveness that really Vipassana can help identify and alleviate. I'm interested now in the process. You said that it can take 10 days and the earlier stages are very grueling until you get to the point where you can be, you know, at some level of equanimity Mm -hmm. and be more aware of what's going on in your thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. Describe the threshold, right? Because I always get stuck at a moment when I feel like I have to keep silent. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like at some point, even though you can feel the payoff, right? Because there is, you know, in a sense, it's interesting. You get the, I guess, the benefit of it quite early on. You kind of see where this is going, right? You kind of see how much nonsense you have in your head. Mm. You kind of see how the silence amplifies it to an extent, but also clears it quickly. Um, because talking tends to just connect the dots where they shouldn't be, right? But yeah. so when you're silent, you kind of feel the restlessness passing as well. There's this mm-hmm. transience that you're, you're in closer contact with. But most of us mere mortals <laughs> don't <laughs> stick through long enough yeah. because we're fidgety and yeah. we're restless. Now, tell us a bit about how difficult that must have been. Or maybe it wasn't, but your experience in crossing that threshold. All right. Yeah, it's very hard for some. Yeah. And actually, I had a great admiration for many of those who went in cold turkey. Mm-hmm. So, of course, uh, on the, during the course itself, before that, there was not much time to talk. But after that, you know, after the 10-day, you got a chance to talk. And I realized that many of them went in cold turkey. And I'm amazed they made it. Mm. You know, for me, because I had been working, or rather trying to meditate on my own for the last uh, three years, and I made it up to about 20 minutes, mm. and I had some understanding of the rigors involved, uh, it wasn't so bad. But still, it was really, really tough. But what was good was that the going car method, they actually worked through essentially tape recordings of the uh, teacher. And well, the background of Goenka actually was that he was a very wealthy industrialist in Burma, post-independence. But he found Vipassana and after that he gave up. Um, the wealth well, partly was expropriated by the Burmese government mm, wow. <laughs> you could say it's karma or whatever but he went wow. on to teach uh, Vipassana but speaking as someone who's always very interested in operations and process you can see that the way they structured the course he applied really a businessman thinking to this how do I teach Vipassana most effectively to a large number of people and so really in terms of say, the first three, four days, you know, you're sitting there as you say, right, oh, wow, it's like starting to get fidgety, fidgety. And somehow when you really feel that, you know, this is really unbearable, mm-hmm. that voice comes in hmm. with some instructions. It's really as if uncanny that uh, at that moment when you really need the support to keep you going, there's an the instruction there. 
So he actually had taught thousands of students over many, many years. And you could see that he applied his technique and always was looking at his technique to find, in a sense, what worked very well. Okay. So what worked very well was the whole structure of the uh, program. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that in your group, in this batch of Call people, them, a yeah. silent retreat, yeah. you know, how many on average do you think there are? Oh, it's quite interesting in these retreats. Um, yeah. Females tend to outnumber males. Okay. At that time when I was there, perhaps it was about maybe about 20 to 30 males and females at like full house, 40, 45. So you're thinking about 70 to 80 people. Yes, that's or 60 right. 60 to 70 people. Yeah, that's right. Now, uh, how many of that graduate till the end? Do a lot of people drop out? Very few, actually. In right. fact, I went for the course three times in total. Right. I think of the three times I went, there was perhaps only one case where there was one dropout. Right, right. Yeah. And do you know why that, that he or she dropped out? Oh. Were you told why? Um, no clue is that um, one day he's there at the meditation hall, the next day he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Confession, that was me, by the way. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you wake up in the morning and I know that you would be sitting, but yeah. you would hear the leader yeah. saying something, right? right? What would they be saying to you? Uh, well, you would say, for example, what sticks in mind was, you know, sit down, back upright, mm. close your eyes. And then the recurring instruction for this one is, you know, start with a calm and quiet mind mm-hmm. and alert and attentive mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, the cue to... Yeah. Now, what would you say to people who say, well, you know, I can achieve this or whatever by going to a mountain holiday or something. I'm just out, you know, there's no internet or Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a bit of peace and quiet and it's not total silence, Mm -hmm. but I'm removed enough from things that I can sort of gather myself a little bit. I mean, for the cynic out there, right, what would you say? I mean, certainly being able to even switch off your Wi-Fi for a day is a really big achievement already. It's all power to you, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there is an added dimension of growth, I guess, that, that Vipassana encourages, right, that this is not merely like a a retreat in a sense of like taking a break from things because yeah. it forces you to confront with the chilling silence of things, right? Which is mm-hmm. what you end up grappling with, right? Because this, on one hand, people call it a Vipassana retreat, yeah. but it's not really a retreat when you think about the labor it takes to survive <laughs> yes. 10 days of silence, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... Is there any point maybe on on day seven or day six where you feel like you've had enough? Yeah, I tell you, the afternoons are really slow. <laughs> right, right. And uh, this would be, the afternoon typically would be of lessons or lectures or? So the schedule would be, essentially it's either you're in the, uh, it's like meditation. Mm-hmm. So wake up, meditation, breakfast, then more meditation. For the meditation sittings, some of them are group sittings in the hall. At other times, it's up to you whether you want to be in the hall or uh, elsewhere meditating, like mm-hmm. in your room, for instance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you do have free time to just roam or do what you want? Oh, no, you're not supposed to roam. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's the thing about oh, right. uh, the Goinka causes. They're actually very 
uh, in a sense rigid in that sense. Oh, okay. So no roaming around Allah. But you you do have a choice of where you want. Where you go. want to. You okay. could go. So in fact, that was one of my primary considerations for going in the first place. Right. That right. we actually had private rooms, oh, which okay. was great. You know, okay. many other places you're in dormitories or the like. Right. Right. So I always felt that all right, if things really get bad, I just escape to the private room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the yeah. private room sounds even more ominous at that point because things are so silent. Mm-hmm. You know, going to a private room means things are even more extra silent, right? Uh, if you look at it that way, yes, I think uh, that's right. It is quite interesting. You bring that up. Very interesting indeed, because for me, I always preferred to be in the private room, uh-huh. and which has I, nothing anyway. It's not like there are magazines or a telephone or whatever, right? So it's yeah. really just a box. It's really just a box, <laughs> yes. But I guess what I felt was you can do your own thing in the, in the room to right, some extent. Right, right, Whereas, right. Uh, yeah, I think the other part about me is that I can't, well, it sounds kind of a contradiction in terms now, but sometimes I get to a point where I just can't do this anymore for a while. Mm. I need to step aside and take a break yeah. and recharge. Yeah. And then I can reapply myself again. Yeah. yeah. So actually I had a lot of admiration for many of my peers who'd be like sitting there in the group hall, right, pretty right. much sunrise to sunset. You know, wow. Like, wow, you guys wow. are... I couldn't achieve that. Yeah. I needed to get back to the room and take a nap, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> so, what's on the other side? Like, what do you hear after all your demons have been identified and pacified and familiarized and you realize that it's, you know, a lot of your anxieties animating your fears, they're, they're really down to, you know, how much you can, you know, accept the void, you know, like, okay, so you're done with that. What do you hear? What does the other side sound like? <laughs> I, I think uh, the other part that's very useful is that it's really not very productive to compare meditation experiences huh. because the whole idea is that you want to let go and be yourself. And different people will have different experiences. I think the idea of meditation really is to become a happier person. Mm-hmm. And how you should measure progress is how your behavior has changed. Mm-hmm. And for the better. For the better or not. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally get that. I, I do wonder though, like, um, you know, how do you stop ruminating, right? Because sometimes yeah. it could just be to you know, aimless thoughts that take you, and you yeah. know, nowhere and then suddenly some obscure memory from mm-hmm. when you're nine comes up. And so, you know, so there's anxiety mm-hmm. where you can't sleep and mm-hmm. you, you feel like you can't like, you know, function and you hate the world or whatever. Yeah. But it's also the sort of aimlessness of just obsessing over random things, right? That modern thinking yeah. sort of encourages as well, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. are those two things then finally extinguished? Now I'm a long way from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'm just wondering, like, what's the state of mind? You well, know, the state of mind at least are... is, is that you catch yourself more often. Right, so even right. when you're sitting down and meditating, right, okay, right. so it's supposed to be, you know, focusing on sensations in your body parts, moving from part to part. Yeah. Then suddenly you realize that, oh, the mind has moved somewhere else and is thinking about lunch or dinner. Right, right. And right. then the instruction then is, all right. Don't get mad. Be equanimous again. Right, right. Don't be disappointed in yourself. Don't be angry. Yeah. Just acknowledge that thought. Bring your attention again back to your sensations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's always about being equanimous, always about coming back to your sensations. Right, right. And composing the mind. I see. So I, I like that. So it's not the promise of enlightenment. 
it's more like self-awareness with a lot more clarity. Yeah. Right. So um, you get to see your mess in a less <laughs> yes. biased way. I guess yes. you catch yourself in that sense. Yeah, that's right. Um, so tell me, day 10 comes, you're about to go. Yeah. How did that feel like? Did you did you feel like daunted to be out in the noise again? or? Uh, you really felt so light actually. Huh. In fact, when on day 9, when so what they would do is on day 9, they would lift the silence. So you're allowed to talk. Wow. And actually at that point, you realize that talking is difficult. Huh. You can actually feel your gut and the reactions in your gut as you want to talk. And then you also realize at that point that it's actually very hard to speak the truth. Hmm. What does that mean? In terms of whenever you're talking to people, uh, there is some sort of facade or persona that you want to bring across. Right, right. You know? And then also, uh, so it's actually very hard to... So you catch yourself doing even that. Yeah, that's right. right you right. catch yourself on that day nine especially. Yeah. yeah. I think it's very important because we put on these masks without knowing why sometimes. Yes, that's right. Because you're so habituated to just like, all right, in this context, you put on this mask yeah. in this context. Yeah. So you catch yourself by day nine realizing that's what you do. Yeah. Right. And then after that, day 14, you've gone back to normal. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, um, what was the farewell address? Was there like a, you know, good luck, everybody, you know? The usual type of thing, yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, congratulations. Yeah, right. keep it going. Try to do it morning and evening. Yeah. Though I think, sad to say, 95, 99% of the students, old students, don't manage to keep it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah but There is a risk too of getting more depressed as well, right? I, I get it that, I get the idea, yeah. silence clears a lot of clutter and stuff like that. But uh, like you said, if one is to go cold turkey yeah. and maybe with some history of trauma or mm. some history of depression, yeah. it might not turn out the way that was intended, right? Is, oh, yeah. Tell us a bit about that risk. Right, definitely, you know, in terms of what you call any type of... Uh, okay, with Vipassana, you're trying to improve yourself, so-called. Or rather, talk about any type of, let's call it like medication, there is a side effect. Mm -hmm. So even if, let's say, you talk about mainstream medicine, you go into a uh, hospital for back surgery, something bad could happen, mm -hmm. an accident could happen. Right, right. Right? The trouble is that, you know, in terms of the way we are habituated to think, mainstream medicine is always fine. So all the accidents and all the, uh, if you like, misfortunes are swept under the carpet. Mm -hmm. People always just talk about how well the surgery went, and if it didn't go well, the horror stories don't spread. Right, right. But because meditation is seen as non-mainstream, then the bad incidences get played up. Right. That guy right. was doing something strange and something strange happened to him. Right, right. So it's actually very important, therefore, to have a good teacher or a mm -hmm, good guide, mm -hmm. especially if you have had issues, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that at least when you have those, if you like, uh, unpleasant thoughts or things you need to work out, you have an experienced teacher to guide you right, and right. help you through the process. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very important. I think yeah. key to all this as well is maybe get as much insight from you know mental health professionals to see if you're fit to do these things or even read out on the internet to see like testimonials of people who've gone through it just to have a better idea. Because I like what you've talked about and yeah. I, I'm very open to it. If I can find 10 days off in a year, <laughs> I can do it consistently. But... I'm, I also suddenly thought of people I, who I know might, might find it daunting or might need a bit of uh, hand-holding and mm -hmm. advice. Uh, but this is very interesting. Any concluding thoughts before we wrap up? 
Um, no, it's been good to be here. Okay, Very great. Maybe yeah. we can have you over again to talk about other aspects of uh, meditation, especially confronting the modern world. Right. Uh, Tae Chi Chang, are you on Instagram or Twitter? Do you want to you know, plug that for your listeners? Uh, unfortunately not, except that, uh, like I said, we do run Stretch Therapy Centre. Okay. And actually, Stretch Therapy is, if you like, uh, mindfulness in motion, actually. Interesting. Mindful stretching. Interesting. Great, yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, it's not yoga. It's not yoga. But it looks like yoga. Like it does look like yoga, okay. but the key is that we bring the mind to be actively involved in the stretching. Great. So great. in fact, when I came into... We only discovered this in 2015, actually. Mm-hmm. And the teacher himself, he just calls it stretch therapy. Right. But when I found it, I thought, you know, this is the most masterful teaching of... You know meditation, we think of sitting down. Right. But there are also schools that teach moving meditation. Interesting. This to my mind was fantastic teaching of moving meditation great and maybe we can talk to you about that in the next uh, next time you're yeah. in the studio you can email the show bfmnightschool at gmail.com look us up on Facebook just type night school in the search space be sure to like the page you haven't yet download our app too at the Apple App Store and uh, the Google Play Store once again we had uh, Mr. Te Chi Chang here over to talk about uh, the Vipassana meditational approach and outlook I'm Ahmad Fat Rahman and this is Night School on BFM 89.9 The Business Station Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.